was a knock at the door. I opened it. It was Aloise, wearing those gold-framed sunglasses. He stood in the doorway. May I come in? He asked. Oh, yes, I replied. He entered and sat on my bed, still dressed in the same clothes from last night. So, what do you want to know? He asked. Say what? You want to know something. So what is it? Oh, well, who are you? I asked. I told you who I am. What are you talking about? I said. All kinds of visions were popping into my head. Strange visions of weird-looking people and, and instruments. It was as if Snake Eyes was putting them there, and I freaked out. Get out! Get out! I yelled. Look, it's only a matter of time before your transformation begins. Then I will take you away to live with me on your granddad's ranch. Eloise, with his massive biceps, pulled me toward him and kissed me. I heard his voice inside my head. You are one of us and very important to our survival. I am a soldier sent by your granddad to protect you and train you for your destiny. I will return when your transformation is about to begin. Snake Eyes kissed me and once again I fainted. I woke up in a strange bed, in a dark, strange room. I searched in this dark hotel room looking for a body. This time, I was all alone. No body, no blood. I left the hotel in a daze. Once again, I was in the shower at the YMCA. I needed to know something, but I didn't know what it was I was supposed to know. What Eloise said didn't make any sense to me. When I got back to my room, there was a note waiting for me under my door. I had been evicted from the Y and was expected to vacate immediately. Weeks went by and I was living on the streets of Embarcadero, begging for money to buy my wine. Living on the streets was awesome. No rent. No electric bills, just days and nights of wild Irish rose or thunderbird. A man approached me on the park bench as I was meditating with the help of borrowed heroin. It turns out he was a friend of a co-worker from New York who recognized me from a photo. Seth, he asked. Yes, I answered. Very annoyed at being interrupted. My name is Todd. Remember me? You came to my house in Oakland when you arrived. And I gave you the address of the YMCA here in San Francisco. Oh, a kind of, I answered. Well, your parents sent me these plane tickets to New York City. Parents? Tickets? The city? Why? Because the manager at the Y called your parents and informed them that you were living on the streets. So they contacted me and asked me to find you and send you back home. Oh, that was so nice of them. 
I smirked. I was getting quite angry at this point. I just wanted to meditate. Todd grabbed me by the arm, picking up my brown bag of goodies. My car is parked close by. I'll take it to the airport. Say what? I protested. Without another word, he dragged me to his car. Oh, and uh, by the way, he said as he began to close the door, uh, happy birthday. I arrived at Kennedy Airport and took the cab straight to the YMCA in Harlem, which was on 135th Street and 7th Avenue. It was diagonally across the street from the Big Apple Bar and directly across the street from Small's Paradise. They didn't give me a room with a view, but it was my home for the time being. I got my job back at Hertz Rent-A-Car. I spent my days working the afternoon shift and my nights trolling Times Square. I made sure to be back home in time before the neighborhood Chinese restaurant closed so that I could get my nightly sustenance of fried chicken gizzards and gravy and potato salad. I topped it off with a pint of wild Irish rolls before hitting the sack. One of my early nights after work, I was at McCann's barn in Times Square. As I was drowning my horniness in Southern Comfort and OJ, this skinny, strange-looking man sat next to me. Hello, how are you? He asked. My name's Jay. Oh, hi, Jay. I'm doing well, I replied. My name is Seth. Buy me a drink, Seth, he said in a tone of command, not request. I gave him a raised eyebrow. Uh-huh. And what am I going to get for it? I questioned. He took my hand and placed it on his crotch. He held it there so I could feel his pulsating cock. After two hours of drinking and conversation, we hopped on a train heading for his place in the Bronx. As we sat on that train in a state of semi-intoxication, I studied the strange-looking man beside me. I noticed an odd odor emanating from him. I tried to focus my gaze on his eyes and saw something strange. His eyelids were acting funny. Or was it the booze affecting my brain? As we walked down the elevated train steps to the streets, I began to get a bad feeling about this guy. We walked through two blocks of nothing but abandoned, burned-out tenement buildings on both sides of the street. The area was deserted, and if he was going to kill me, there was no one around who could call the cops for him. He lived in one of those abandoned buildings. As we entered the vestibule, he pulled out a flashlight, and I followed him to the end of the hallway to the last apartment. There was no lock on the door. As we entered the apartment, he flicked on the kitchen lights. Amazingly, the apartment had electricity. He used a chair and an enormous bar to secure the front door lock. I followed him to his bedroom. Hey, relax, he said in a sexy voice. Take your clothes off. 
million seconds, Jakey was naked, lying in the king-size unmade bed, sporting a huge endowment. It had to be at least 11 inches. It was way bigger than I expected, and I'd never taken anything that huge. Come on, he said. He was getting impatient. Within the shadows of the room, I kept seeing the flickering of his eyelids. This looked extremely weird to me, and, and that strange odor emanating from him grew stronger. You, you're too big, I stammered. I can't take that in me. He jumped up from the bed like a grasshopper and proceeded to rip the rest of my clothes off. He presented this milky-colored small wad in his hand and snapped it in half. <laughs> Here, snort this. It'll loosen your ass up for me. Well, he stuck that broken wad in my nose and I passed out immediately. I woke up hours later. Jay was sound asleep. I could tell by the closed shades that it was early morning. I got up and headed for the bathroom. Once there, I took a crap that was like diarrhea. Because I was so fat, and because my favorite ass-wiping tool, a padded back scratcher, was at home, I had to stand up, bend over, and struggle with a lot of toilet paper so that I could wipe my big protruding ass. I looked at the soiled toilet paper, which was soaked with blood. He had torn open my asshole. I didn't know whether to be furious or filled with delight. I used the toilet paper to wipe dripping diarrhea from my legs and then rushed back into the room. Jay was sitting on the edge of the bed in his underwear, roaming through my wallet. What are you doing? I asked, looking stupid because it was obvious what he was doing. Get dressed, he ordered. I need you to do me a favor. You know, you know I can get a lot of money for you. He grinned at me as he took my last $20 from my wallet. I studied his strange eyelids as I clothed my naked body. The reality of what he said hit me, and I just stood there, dumbfounded by his boldness. Governments will pay a lot of money for you. Corporations will pay a lot of money for you. He continued as he studied my reaction to his statement. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? I asked. You don't know, do you? You don't know what you are. He asked me with a completely surprised expression. He leapt from the bed like a jackrabbit. Within an instant, he was behind me, holding a knife to my throat. I can't believe they didn't mark you. You must not have a tracking chip, or they would have come for you by now. He pondered this as he licked the sides of my neck as if he were sizing me up for something. All right, now I'm going to give you this 20 bucks, and you will walk down the street to the last building. Knock on the basement apartment window. When they open up the window, you will tell them that you want a pack of Pall Mall and a pint of Bacardi. I will be watching you. If you try to escape, I will come after you and cut you open. You are worth the same, dead or alive. 
in my neck. Remember, I'm watching you, and I can run very fast, he warned. As his grip loosened, I slowly walked down the tenement steps and down the street toward the last building. Suddenly, a voice in my head screamed at me. It said, run, he's going to kill you for that money. Run. <laughs> well, I obeyed the voice in my head and ran as fast as my fat legs could take me. I got to the avenue that ran under the elevated IRT train. I hailed a gypsy cab and went straight to the YMCA. Luckily for me, I had money stashed away in my room to help me pay for the fare. After that horrific incident with Jay, I should have stopped picking up strange men in bars, but my addictions and hormones were in control. I found myself at McCain's bar once again. I was shaking my booty to the disco beat. I was using it as bait to get picked up by any desperate, drugged-up man who would have my fat, ugly ass. As I left the bar for the subway train station, I didn't know I was being stalked. By the time I got to the station, I noticed this guy wearing thick glasses and a Yankee baseball cap waiting for the train nearby. He got on the same train as I did and sat pretty close to me. What drew me to him were his thick glasses. They were so thick I thought to myself that he must be blind without them. As I got off at the 135th station on my way to the Y, I sensed a presence following me up the block. I turned around as fast as my fat booty would allow and came face to face with the man in the thick glasses. Don't be afraid. I like you, he said. Wait a minute. Weren't you at the McCain's bar? I asked, realizing that that was where I first saw him. Yes. I've been watching you for weeks. I was afraid of you rejecting me. Tonight I got the courage to follow you and let you know how much I'm in love with you. He smiled, revealing pretty teeth that gleamed in the shadowy streetlights. We stood there in the dim light for a while as I was sizing him up. He wasn't good looking at all, or sexy, or even average looking. He was taller than I and a stocky build, and he was correct in his fear. I had to let him down easy. I said, I would ask you to my place, but I live at the YMCA, and they do not allow visitors to our rooms. I explained, I was trying my damnedest not to be happy about the rejection I gave him. No problem, he replied. I used to be the security guard there. I can get in. What's your room number? I started to give him a false room number, but I figured that with the place guarded by security and security cameras, there was no way he could sneak in. So I told him the truth. I'm in room 306, I said, as I sashayed up the street. Oh, okay, he smiled. I'll see you soon. Yeah, right, I replied under my breath. I entered the lobby and nodded hello to the security guard at the front desk. I felt so relieved that I didn't have to tell the monstrous-looking guy to take a walk. 
the elevator on the third floor, unlocked my room door, and began my nightly preparation for bed. I was drinking my medicine, wild Irish rose, when there was a knocking at my door. My first thought was that one of the security guards came to inform me that the ugly guy got arrested for trying to sneak in. When I opened the door, my heart dropped. It was the stocky, ugly guy. Hey, hello. I forgot to introduce myself, he said. My name is Bernard. He shoved his way into my room. How did you get in here? I asked, exasperated with fear. The guy could have been a psycho. I told you, I used to work here. I knows the ins and outs of this place, he said. He took off his thick glasses and threw them onto the small dresser top. Then he stuck his tongue down my throat. When I felt his tongue hooking up with mine, it felt familiar. It felt freaky. It felt a lot like Raymond's tongue. I was about to faint when he undressed me and laid me down on the cot. I watched him as he undressed. He turned off the fluorescent ceiling lights and turned on the lamp by the cot. The lamp had a shade over it, so it gave the whole room an eerie gray atmosphere. He began to undress. I watched Bernard turn from an ugly, hairy ogre to a muscular, hairy beast. He mounted me and whispered into my ear about how much he loved me and how gentle our love-making was going to be. There. Relax. Relax your ass muscles so I won't hurt you when I enter you, he instructed. The feeling of his hairy body rubbing up against my back and ass sent electrical stimulations up and down my spine. I was loose as a loose and ready for his penetration. As usual, I passed out from all the drugs and liquor I had that night. The next morning, when I woke up with Bernard dressed, standing over me and wearing his thick glasses, he was just staring down at me as I slept. He had this weird gleam in his magnified eyes. At that point, I was convinced that Bernard was crazy. Gotta go to work, he said as he kissed my lips. Where do you work, I asked. I work for the Parks Department, he replied as he opened the room door. I'll see you tonight. He said this as a command, not as a request. Then I spotted his cap. He left his cap, so of course he would be back to fetch it and use it as an excuse to enter my room in case I refused to let him in. It was now Friday night. Three days had passed since Bernard left. I was lit up with booze and cocaine and had made plans to meet friends at the sex bar, the strap. I had just locked my room door and turned around to be confronted by Bernard. Hey, where are you going? I just got here, he said. Oh, not tonight, Bernard. I'm headed for the village. I tried to brush it off. Oh, can I come? He asked. 
asked in a baby voice, but but the look on my face replied with a no. Ah, did I leave my cap in your room? He asked. Well, yes, I answered, very annoyed. Please, can I have it? I sighed in complete disgust because I was certain he was going to try to have sex with me once inside the room. When he forced his thick, hot tongue down my throat, I fell to my knees and slobbered all over his thick meat like the slut I was. When I got drugs and liquor in my system, lust controlled my brain.